Hello, Guitar Smarts listeners. This is an important announcement. Please don't skip ahead. We start this podcast with a special message. Way back in 2021, Guitar Smarts had the pleasure of interviewing the utterly fantastic Matt Long. Matt is a multiple award-winning British blues guitarist and lead singer of the British blues band Catfish and hard rock outfit The Revenant Ones. He joined us for episode number 20 and was a truly gracious guest who spoke about his career, his childhood, guitars and meetings his hero, Joe Bonamassa. Well, Matt needs your help. Through 2023, Matt has been undergoing treatment for bowel cancer, and his recent prognosis has meant that to extend his life and retain a chance of survival, he needs to seek private treatment outside of the NHS. Matt's family have set up a GoFundMe page that is linked in the Guitar Smarts link tree in the description of this podcast. And we at the Guitar Smarts podcast would like to invite each and every listener to consider donating towards this fund that could well save the life of one of the brightest guitar talents of our generation. Now is the time, folks. Head on over to the link in the description to find the GoFundMe page. Donate what you can. Your donation could save a life. Thank you. Enjoy the podcast. Bonamassa actually uses a higher gauge of... He, I think he uses 11s on his Les Paul, um, which is a heavy set of, of strings. Yeah. But he said, because I top wrap them in this way, they don't feel like 11s, they feel like 10s. And, and, and he's right, it, it feels so so slinky doing this. So something, something for listeners to experiment with. Genuinely, it's a thing. Greetings, welcome back to the Guitar Smarts Podcast. Remember, if you're an everyday gigging guitarist, this is the podcast for you, and maybe your friends too, so please tell them about this podcast. This week we continue our three-part look at the best way to fine-tune your action on your guitar. Last week, Kieran took us on a deep dive through adjusting the truss rod. This is the device in the guitar neck that allows us to set the relief or the curvature of the neck, and it allows enough space for the springs to vibrate above the frets. So step two, and this week's topic, is the guitar's bridge. This is where the strings pass over the saddles and are stretched across the neck to the nut. So how do we set the saddle height correctly? What can we do to adjust them? And what types of bridge are there? And how are they adjusted? So as well as all this, we have our usual drawn-out catch-up at the beginning of the podcast, uh, talking about things that have happened in the past week. And I've got a little rant about the Silver Sky guitar from PRS again. Anyway, housekeeping, remember to like and subscribe to this podcast on your preferred podcast app. That way you won't miss the next show. Use the link tree in the description of this show to get to, uh, get to our Buy Me A Coffee page. Links to some of our Spotify playlists, social media pages, especially the Guitar Geek Hangout page on Facebook, where you can interact with Kieran and myself and many other guitar nerds just like us. And if you really want to support us, use the links to leave us a rating or a review. This is the best way to support us because it helps us to grow and it helps us to get into the ears of more guitarists just like yourself. Anyway, have a great couple of weeks. Remember, if you've got any comments or requests for the show, you can reach out to us through our social media pages. That's about enough from me. Let's get to it. Oh, how are, how are you anyway? You're all right. Yeah, really good. Yeah, good, man. Um, 
Yeah, had a good good gig last weekend with the band. Actually, no, we had a band rehearsal last weekend. That oh. was good. We got some. Oh, got some new songs in the set. Mm. I'm enjoying. I'm enjoying these ones. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Is it new- like completely new stuff for you? Is it like you've never I mean, gigged it before? Yeah, I've never gigged it before, uh, and I'm enjoying that. It's good. It's good. I'm not surprised that I'm enjoying it. It's always nice to do something new, but mm. um, we chucked a bunch of songs into the mix and um yeah they're working out all right so yeah i just had a quick bash through on the uh on the 335 as well this morning had a little play on that i haven't played that for ages it's a really nice guitar i need to play that more often it's a beautiful piece it is an absolutely gorgeous instrument that you've got um you know, yeah. three through five, but yeah, it needs to be played, doesn't it? Or does it? it does. Or does it? It's, it's, I've got mine to say. Maybe I'd be the same. I've got a beautiful Gretsch behind me that I've yeah. always wanted. And, and actually, I barely touch it. Yeah. See? There you go. <laughs> I, need to, I need to play it more often, really. Play um, it more often. Yeah. Yeah. Part, hey, because, hey, John, part of the reason why I don't really touch it is because I don't really play in the day. I tend to, if I play guitar, I tend to kind of noodle around late at night because it's a semi acoustic. Like, yeah. oh, I don't want to wake Daniel up, you know, <laughs> no. or anything. I don't want, to, don't want it to be too loud in the house. But um, yeah, yeah, I do need to play it more often. A little midnight noodle. Mm. A little midnight noodle. <laughs> With your semi. Yeah. <laughs> Terrible. Right. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, mate. So what's new? How's you, how have you been this week? Anything Anything yeah. interesting? You've uh, what's, what's in the guitar news world for you this week that's interesting? Well, one of the things is the thing that you just sent me, actually, which is a bit of a, oh, hello, breaking breaking news alert. Yeah. Um, the, the court fat twos have come down in price. Yeah. Uh, which we talked about a little bit beforehand, hadn't we, as, a, as an exciting, you yeah. know, <clears throat> exciting guitar, super versatile, loads of different tonal options, kind of had that kind of session guitarist vibe. Going on with it, and yeah, and and from the underdogs that you and I love, which is Court. I mean, we say they're underdogs; they're not. They're just a huge manufacturer of guitars yeah, and do some beautiful, beautiful <laughs> kit. They're not underdogs, but underdogs in insofar as you know, it's not a Fender or a Gibson for people to jump up and down and get excited about. But, mm. but we we certainly thought they were beautiful guitars, and they've just had a price crash, right? Well, um, it seems to be that way. I mean. We've always loved that Fat series, the Fat 2, um, excuse me, the Fat 1 and the Fat 2 are fantastic guitars. I kind of refer to them as like the poor man's music man Luke because they're that kind of thing, you know, same kind of style, same kind of look and feel, but also... Mm. You know, it has their own, it has its own innovations as well. Mm. But it is, it's that kind of thing, that kind of session players, you know, multi-purpose guitar. Mm. It's not necessarily styled in a particular genre or anything like that. It's, it's obviously mm. a player's guitar, but it's still a beautiful guitar. But yeah, it's come down in price. And do you know what? The same thing happened with the Fat One before the Fat Two came out. Yeah. Um, oh. And on Court's Instagram page, they have just in the last couple of days started announcing a new line, new lines of guitars. So there's a new. Oh, there's, there's the two Fat Three coming. Guitars. Well, they haven't announced a Fat Three, <laughs> but they have announced a, so in the G range. So that's the G two ninety, the Fat Two. But in the G range, there's a G two fifty Spectrum come out, which is meant to be a bit mm. like a a Kramer series kind of thing, a bit of a. Mm. 
80s rock kind of thing that looks mm. really cool and there's a new range of G200 which is kind of their entry level Pacifica kind of looking thing you know humbucker strat strat sorry humbucker single coil single coil uh, yeah. with more colour options and that looks good but if you have a look on like Court's Instagram page you'll see they're announcing they're, they're in the middle of a, a stream of announcements at the moment so they're announcing new instruments every day Mm. Um, and I really love Cork guitars. I think they make superb stuff, and lots yeah. of other people think Cork make great stuff as well. If you own a PRS SE, you yeah. own a Cork guitar, effectively. Well, that's true, isn't it? You know, in, in a way, it's made in that factory. So, yeah, great guitars, and uh, interesting to see what else they announce because you know they're, they're you know innovative. That that black guitar yeah. that um. One that you got for your son that we saw at the the yeah. you yeah. know music show last year the guitar show that's right beautiful that's right. beautiful instrument well it is a really good bit of kit for the for the money as well um, yeah. and some and some decent decent um, hardware and stuff on there I was in um, a guitar shop the just this week actually I had a little yeah. time to mooch, mooch around a guitar shop this week um, and I saw I saw some courts in there um, and. With price tags, which I wouldn't normally associate with court. Right. Well, hold on. Let me take a step back. Let me take a step back. The first thing that caught my eye was the guitar. And I thought, wow, that's beautiful. Um, uh, pl- plug into your, plug into Google, um, the court X700 and uh, click on images and, um, and you'll see, you'll see what comes up. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is kind of like a, uh, Oh, I don't know. Is it a metal guitar? Is it like a metal style? All I can tell you is in in real life, it looked absolutely beautiful. So um, So it's it's made of layers of wood, right? Yeah, it is. It is. It's exact, and it just looks stunning. And they, they, they had it in a few different finishes, so you'll probably first and mm. foremost see the one that comes up, which is kind of like a, I think it's called like an ice burst or, or polar polar yeah, ice kind of blue yeah, color. That, that's perfect description. Uh, which is kind of cool. But there's also one which is called lava burst, which is um, a, you know, kind of got some red and brown hues mm. going on, and they, mm. they do it in a few different finishes. But the first thing I saw thought was, wow, what what on earth? what on earth is is that guitar and then i looked at the headstock and and saw the price and it was getting on for like eight to nine hundred pounds yeah, it's so, yeah. not cheap is it i was like whoa that's not cheap and it's a court but i was like it's it's absolutely stunning mm. um and i think it's got the fishman fluence um oh wow okay. as well so yeah i think I'm, I'm i need to check these out a little bit more i mean is it it's it's a it's a pretty expensive piece of kit um but it's not Murphy Lab money, is it? It's not. It's not. It doesn't. It's not a Murphy Lab guitar. It's not a type of guitar that would come no, out of Murphy no, Lab. It's, it's unnecessary to pick enough. on Murphy Lab so 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 early on in the show. Sorry, Murphy Lab. That was. Yeah, no. That was like comparing a- apples and pears. Really, it is really old rotten ones. Um, <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> uh, I'm sure there's some listeners out there that are probably say, oh, is that, I like this podcast. And they sat there playing with their Murphy Lab guitar whilst listening to us and realising that <laughs> I'm not into that kind of thing. <laughs> but again, you know, 
I, it, it's kind of you, you can buy an actual vintage guitar for Murphy Lab money. That's the argument. End of. Sorry, I'm, done, I'm not going to go done. down. Moving that road. swiftly on. Moving yeah. swiftly on. <laughs> so yeah, yeah got X seven hundred. That looks that looks really looks cool. pretty cool, right? Yeah, yeah there's a there's unique. a couple of different versions: Duality One and Duality Two, and I think it's this Duality Two that's got these Fishman Fluent mm. uh, humbuckers in it, which um, yeah, are supposed to be. Pretty nice. Anyway, there you go. On on the subject of court guitars, things that have excited me this week that I've seen. Uh, yeah. Oh, awesome. Hey, do you remember I was talking to you about my uh, rig ideas last week, the multiple? <laughs> <laughs> do I remember? I, rem- I remember the incredibly detailed PowerPoint presentation that sadly our listeners didn't get to bear witness to, but kind of, kind of did vicariously through me. But you missed all the diagrams and flow charts and wiring schematics, but there was 10. There was yeah. 10 innovative combinations of I know. <laughs> rig that could be had by you substituting one Headrush FX FRFR mm. speaker for a for a Line Six Catalyst. So that's right, yeah. Well, yeah, do you know, I remember. one of our one of our uh, listeners, Jerry, who was commenting on um, the Guitar Geek Hangout after mm. after that episode, he also mentioned another great idea for another um, like FRFR solution, which was uh, the Line Six Power Cab. So actually, if you yeah. if you if you've got a modeler and you and you and you have to solving this problem of getting a decent mm-hmm. guitar like cabinet, Line Six do actually have a range of products called the Power Cabs. One of them is, I think, a one by twelve that you plug straight nice. into from the Helix, and, and and it actually has some of its own cabinet um, IRs built in, so you don't have Lovely. to do that in the Helix, which means you save DSP, which means you can yeah. have more effects, and that's a really good way of doing it. And they is also it a cheaper a, cheaper alternative then, <laughs> presumably to to running like a full it blown. It isn't. It oh. isn't. It's more expensive than the Catalyst, so okay. that's the main reason for me why I probably won't go, go down the, the power cab route is because I don't think um, I could buy it without um, um, investing some more money on my own. And I'm, you know me, I like to mm-hmm. do one in one, one, in out. one out. I like to see yeah. what I can do yeah. with what I with the money I get from what I can sell. Yeah, um, I love that. Because it's like a, some that. kind of economical game to me. You know yeah. what I mean? So. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's like keeping that kind of net net zero well, expenditure on your game, on your rig, kind of but, yeah. but constantly chopping and changing stuff out yeah. without really having to, to to spend too much money. I think that's a great way of doing exactly. it. It's like literally the opposite of guitar acquisition syndrome, which which is me yeah. just buying stuff, trying it, and going, "Yeah, it's quite nice. I'm not going to use it, and it will just sit on a shelf there, gathering that's dust." That's it. Which it's is really pointless. One in one out policy, you know, like a nice. decent club. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so that's the main reason I probably won't go for that. But it's great okay. advice from Jerry, which is yeah. um that's another good product I don't think we mentioned that's a great alternative for people looking for an FRFR type setup for the modeling mm. rig that feels mm. more like an amp rather than a PA speaker, which you know mm-hmm. will feel different. Mm-hmm. So that was a great shout, Jerry. Um um but yes, I did have a think as well about this rig i'm just still definitely going ahead with it i've got the head rush on for sale but i thought of another super complex rig idea um which i'm gonna try so you, probably you, never you gonna turn use. me off it. <laughs> super complex oh it just fills me with anxiety super complex <laughs> the helix itself is already too super complex for me <clears throat> it is but, very um, complex oh actually there's another thing thanks to geez. jerry again who on a different comment on the guitar geek hand uh, hang out pointed out 
great resource online from, I think, Sweetwater in the US. Uh, they've created their own <coughs> document that um, you can purchase, and it is kind of like a user guide for the Helix, but broken down into, you know, to, to a bit more of a usable fashion. But um, another good shout there. But yes, does, I was it not, thinking, does it not come with a manual then from Line it, Six? It, it does have a yeah. Line Six do the usual pilot's guide, thing, yeah, which is actually really really helpful. Um, this takes it a step further. Does I it? think so. Yeah, this takes it a step further for sure, and oh, just is, is a bit more kind of um, context specific, maybe you know, oh, okay. and the questions that people would have had after the pilot's guide came out. I think it tries to answer that. So. Very helpful, useful resource then. Um, but yes, so what I was thinking was, what's the more? What I didn't think when I spoke about those rigs was, what's the most complex rig I could put together? Could I use everything? <laughs> and I realised I can't. I probably can. Which is to use the uh, the, the could line you? six. I don't know. Yeah. Would you? <laughs> I, I want to. Um, is I want to use the line six helix and the Digitech RP one at the same time. And what I want to have is my Digitech RP1 in the effects loop of the um, Helix so that I can, I can access if any of the Digitech RP1's effects or presets as a separate block in my supply, in my chain of effects mm-hmm. in the Helix, right? And I can, I want to be able to MIDI control my Digitech. RP1 from the Helix so that I can change it depending on the snapshot or the preset. I can basically have all the effects from my Digitech RP1 accessible from the Helix through that loop and control it through MIDI. And then I thought, well, the RP1's also got MIDI through as well as MIDI in, which mm-hmm. means it can be part of a daisy chain of MIDI controls. So I thought, well, why don't I also then MIDI control the catalyst so that from the Helix, I can have presets that change maybe the amp model in the Catalyst mm-hmm. or like the master volume, but also select new effects from the RP1. And mm-hmm. then the next preset can be, it does something different to the Catalyst and the Digitech RP1 at the same time. And I just yeah. thought, that sounds so incredibly complex, but fun. <laughs> You know, <laughs> it's like a it's like a maths problem that needs exactly solving. That. You, know, kind of, you want exactly to figure right. out can I, can I do it? I mean, would you use it? Should you use it? Probably Who knows? Not. But could you do it? <laughs> but could you do it? Could is I the I, is, yeah. is the conundrum. Sorry to interrupt this conversation. However, if you're a regular listener, then you should definitely come and join us on our Facebook group, The Guitar Geek Hangout. You can interact with other listeners of the show, engage in general chit-chat about guitars, music, pedals, or just share images of your guitar collection for everyone to look at. Regardless, it's the next place you should visit online. Go and join The Guitar Geek Hangout on Facebook. Do it now before you carry on with this podcast. I'll wait here. Welcome back. That's the thing. Could I make it work? Yes, I could make it work. And, you know, in like a laboratory. <laughs> Would I want that level of stress at a gig? No, yeah. I don't think I do. But saying that, you know, that yeah. Digitech RP1, it's got yeah. some sounds that I just can't get in the Helix. Like clean, no, compressed stuff. Not Generally, possible. Not possible. Like, like if really? I want to get like a... Can you imagine kind of like a... Um, like a like a Prince clean sound, you know, like uh-huh. 
yeah. something he would have used like where he, it's clearly where he's gone straight into a mic pre in the desk he's di'd and it's got this super compressed right. utterly clean sound it's not going through an amp i can't yeah. i can't figure out the best way to get that in the helix because you can't you have to really put your guitar through an amp uh, there isn't really an option. There is a there is a like a channel strip option, but it doesn't give you that sound. Um, but the Digital RP one has got presets that just sound like utterly perfect and pristine, um, and have got that kind of super compressed attack, um, you know. And it just it's got some of the most beautiful, clean chorus sounds you can imagine because it's that kind of early nineties, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, kind of technology anyway where everything feels so kind of digital and processed yeah um, yeah, yeah yeah and the, you, I, know, the, the, a, you know what i mean <laughs> you like you would have oh, got like, your zoom 1010 that kind of thing i didn't uh well i i, I borrowed off a friend um they, they had at the time it was phenomenally expensive i think at the time but this uh elasis quadroverb um it was like a it was like a rack mount unit thing and I remember plugging that in and just like the chorus and clean sounds that came out of it were just ethereal, like these yeah. super 80s kind of sounds, which have gone out of fashion now, I guess. So uh, they'll be there in your Helix somewhere, but it's just like... Yeah, Mate, they're coming back. Thick. Those sounds yeah, great. You listen to bands that are big now, like the 1975, true. you know, on the weekend, yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. Not not the necessarily people... I, I mean, I like the 1975 a lot, actually. I think they're great, but um, a lot of the other ones I'm not super into. But yeah, the, the 80s influence is big in those bands now. You know, I mean, just listen to John mm. Mayer's last album. You know? There you go. The, the, those sounds are coming back for sure. Um, yeah, um, yeah. I may, yeah, maybe I need to just get the Digitech set up for gigging. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It would be a laugh. It would be a laugh, to be fair, to go out just once, to go out to a gig with, with the, the, and use that Digitech RP1 for all my sounds and just see if I could make it work, just for my own amusement. It's for, only for your own amusement. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's nothing Completely. professional about that at all. <laughs> There's something kind of cool about it, like rocking yeah. out an old like eighties, nineties Digitech pedal board as your main part of your signal chain. Built like a tango, man. Honestly, it's, it's, such, it's not like one of those like little plastic things. It's like a solid metal. It's crazy how how you know yeah. durable it is. It could definitely withstand wow. you know um, proper gigging, but. I'm gonna have I don't to know, it's a little piece of history and something I always wanted, so I don't know if I want to ever take it out gigging, really. No, because if that breaks and something goes in it, who's going to repair it? <laughs> I, I, <laughs> no nobody. One. I have to, like, send it it's to, done. you know, some kind of historian. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, maybe you're right. Keep it. Keep it. I am going to do keep some recordings for you of some of the sounds, though. If I do some yeah. recording, some of the sounds, and send you, so you can kind of get a feel yeah. for the level. I mean, we're talking full on, the you know, total the seventh one, you know, nice. all those, that kind of thing. You know, it just oh, amazing. Send it. Yeah, send it. It's going to make me get my my old Zoom ten ten out, or, and yeah. or even my my Pod XT. Yeah, it was just sitting here, just just screaming hasn't been out. used or gigged in in years, in it's years and out, years, and years. It's screaming out yeah. to be played. That's what it is. It? I don't know. I, do you know what? I'm so happy with my pedal board and set up at the moment. I, I just don't feel the need. Um, but but yes, it served me well for many years. So who knows? What guitars knows? are you Maybe. gigging with at the moment, Matt? Are you still gigging the Les Pauls? So the main the main gigging instrument is the um, the kind of tobacco burst 
um, Tokai, Les Paul. Nice. And <clears throat> I take I take the uh, American Fender Deluxe Strat as a as the backup guitar if I was to ever break a string. Mm. Which touch wood, it's been years since I've broken a string or had a guitar failure on stage so, so invariably the guitar I start the gig with is the guitar I finish and I'm surprised I don't because I bend strings like crazy and you know jump around a little bit here and there but yeah I'm amazed that I don't break break strings but I don't um, really mm. t- touch wood so I take I take the strap more it's not a sensible choice as a as a as a backup to the Les Paul because yeah. Everything would need to be changed on the amp EQ, even the amp input, because my uh, Blues Deluxe has a, a high and low uh, kind of um, level input. Yes. And, a, and, I, and I would need to use a different input for that, for the for the Fender, and then all the pedals would need to be redone. So the sensible option would be to take like the other Tokai Les Paul or any number of the other Humbucker or Les Paul guitars I've got and just have that, because then it would be a, 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 a you know... A, a simple thing to switch out and change guitar. Yeah. So there, there you go. Top, top obvious, obvious tip for your second guitar. Make sure it's something similar to the first guitar. Cause if you do need to grab it in a hurry and plug it in mid set, then you don't have to mess around with too much. This is true. Um, the, so why am I taking the Fender Deluxe Strat out with me? The only reason being is, ah, oh, this is really, this is the most unrock and roll thing I'll say today, but <laughs> I feel, I feel like at some point, hasn't happened yet thankfully um it's gonna get it's gonna get fatiguing playing like a les paul all night for, mm. for two 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 and a half hours um and so the fender the strat is light and sits a little bit higher up uh, when it gives i play you some it. relief and and it just will take the pressure off so the yeah. only reason i take it out really it's not really in case i break a string although it is there for that eventuality but it's more often if i've had a if for whatever happens um, I'm knackered after the first set and I'm a young, young inverted commas. I'm a middle-aged, but f- middle-aged guy. Yeah. So it's not like, I'm, it's not like I'm out of breath after the first set, no. but it's just if, in case I think, you know what, I just want an easier second set. So I'll just quickly during the, during the break, switch everything over to the strap, plug that in. It, I think it was, uh, was it Justin Hawkins? I was hearing talking about this the other day on his mm. YouTube channel. Mm. The darkness guy. I love his YouTube. Yeah, I do too. Stuff. I enjoy this. He's very, very, very insightful. He's really <laughs> insightful, and he, he was doing a thing on John Mayer's playing the other day, and I thought he was going to be a really, really satirical and really, um, I don't know, just take jibes at, uh, and pot shots at John Mayer. But actually, it turns out that he's a huge Mayer fan and um, loves John Mayer's playing. And was just trying to explain to people the the beauty and of his phrasing and and approach. Anyway, it, while he was talking about this, he was talking about, you know, the, the, the tones that he's getting from his Strat and, and then for what might be a lay audience for some of his listeners, he was just explaining the difference between, you know, a Strat and a Les Paul in terms of... What, like sound or feel or...? Both. Both, right. Sound and feel. Yeah, he was like literally like, like this, is, this is a Les Paul. This is, you know, often what I play. And, he, you know, you sling these things low and, you know, they are, they are you know... They're monsters. They're you know they're rock machines, and you know you pound around on those and and you know just create create hell. And, <laughs> I'm paraphrasing his. Yeah, but I can so imagine him saying that. I do. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> you just said this is an unrefined beast, but it's wonderful for all of that kind of stuff. But you know, he said in order to get this kind of soulful melodic, this is this is a this is a strat effectively, and this is why it's it's beautiful for that. Yeah. So. 
Um, yeah, so I don't know why I take out such extremes of guitar to one gig, but um, yeah, I guess I like having that that option if I if I mm-hmm. if I feel like playing something different and if if the mood captures me to play Mr. Brightside. Yeah, I'm strat- don't say that. Don't say that <laughs> But invariably, mate, I'm just loving gigging the Les Pauls at the moment. They just because they just they just put me in the mood yeah. for being raucous. Yeah. Um, well, good. So there you go. Good. If it just puts you in the mood for the music that you're playing, that's awesome. But it I've makes got a you question. fight a little bit. Makes you fight a little well, bit. Well, there you go. Les Pauls do that, don't they? They do. You got to fight with them a little Absolutely. bit. A little bit. Even even as slinky as they can be set up, you got to fight with them a little bit. Whereas my my strats, it's just there's no mm. there's no barrier between my head and fingers and the guitar it's just effortless they just just flows yeah i think it's something about a single cut guitar that kind yeah. of makes you feel like oh it has it hasn't given you full permission <laughs> to go up that yeah. past the 14th fret do you know what i mean it's like it's, it, there's a compromise it's kind of like you know i've got one eye open kind of thing exactly <laughs> Exactly, and don't <laughs> and, and don't wear me up. Don't wear me too high with your with your strap because 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 I'll yeah. look stupid and yeah. I'll make you look stupid. So you're going to have to have me slung a little bit lower than there you normally go. would, there and that's go. also going to make you work to play me. That's oh, and it. by the way, I've got a shorter scale length, so don't go putting nines on me because it'll just be pointless yeah. and 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 feel flimsy. So you're going to have to at least put tens, maybe even elevens on me. Yeah. Which is also going to make you fight me a little bit yeah. more, but yeah. but do all those things and and great things will happen. That's that's the that's the inner monologue of a lesbian. <laughs> that's it. And I know you want that. I know you want the guitar to be a bit quieter. But hey, guess what? Yeah. Flick over to the other pickup. You need to adjust a different volume control. Exactly. <laughs> oh, exactly. Yeah, I was speaking to one of my friends. who's just like, I just hate Les Pauls. I'm like, why? He's like, the pickup selector switch is in totally the wrong place. Mm. And then you got four knobs, and he's like, I still can't remember which one is which. And it's just like, I don't need that hassle. And he's a pro musician, right? And he's just like, that's why I hate Les Pauls. The designer. Of it is just he's like but my strat everything's here it's underneath my hand there's the pickup selector switch there's the volume controls and tone why do yeah. I you know I don't need to go from here to here yeah he's like why do why does why does the Les Paul make you work yeah okay. <laughs> it really does, does though but that it gives does. you like you say it's like it's like you you get more you have put more in with the Les Paul so it's almost uh-huh. like you get more out isn't it but I've got a question yeah. for you because I was watching uh, Sorry, something. No, it's okay. Something popped up on social media the other day. It was an old clip of um, <clears throat> uh, John Mayer first talking online about the Silver oh, yeah. Sky when it first came out back in like 2018 oh, right. and, or 16 or whatever it was. Um, it been that long. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I thought it was longer. Um, but anyway, um, he was, somebody was saying, or he was saying, so you're, so, um, you know, a lot of you are asking, is it just a, is it just a strat with a PRS headstock? You know, cause you know, you, uh, yes, it does look like this, but he's like, so the answer is no. And he talked about a few reasons why the main one being, do you know that PRS like cutout that you get in the, yeah. like in the, in the thing, he said that changes the dynamic completely and blah, 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 blah. Talking like John May does, which is, you know, to use more words to say more stuff than, you know, he needs to say. <laughs> and uh, yeah, But anyway, you know, as much as I love his music, I do also think he's a bit of a daft sod. But I wanted to ask you, <laughs> being a man who's recently tried both, you've tried both the SE, haven't you, and the, yeah. the actual one. I know you were disappointed with the yeah. US one. But is he right? Is it not? Is it not just a strap with a PRS headstock? Uh, yeah, 
pretty pretty much. I mean, <laughs> did, did, did I did I play it and go ah? Uh, this feels different, and the reason it feels different is because of this beveled edge on the on the cutaway. Not not that I notice. Not not okay. that I notice. Okay. Um, <laughs> I don't know why I'm all. finding it so funny. Because uh, <laughs> because I, I knew all along. I almost almost feel stupid for asking. Wow. The, the, you know, it's like, of course it's a strat. No, but this is the question that should be asked, right? Because clearly when it came out, and we're not silver sky bashing, it's an incredible oh. guitar by all standards. And provided you get one that's properly set up, then they're a dream. And the SE version is actually a really decent guitar. Um, but that was the whole kind of media thing in the guitar world when it came out was mm. it's a, it's a, strat with a different headstock and you know he'll have he'll have been media briefed by the team at prs and his own team within an inch of his life to to reactively handle the question what do you say to people that say it looks like a strat with a with a different headstock well talk about the talk about the neck radius and talk about the custom wound pickups that are you know vintage spec but to your own kind of yeah thing and talk about the beveled edge and Talk yeah. about the scratch plate that's slightly different and, you know, try and talk about all the differences that cumulatively will, will when you say them all back to back, will make it sound like a completely different guitar when, when, it, when it's not really. And uh, didn't I, I A-B'd it versus an actual Strat when I did one of the demos, didn't I, for you? Yeah. And um, I ended up preferring the actual Strat, I think. Yeah, and also he go, he goes on, he went on about, <clears throat> now there's no sunburst as well because it's a 2000 and... 16 guitar, it's not a vintage guitar, and we don't have Sunburst anymore. You know, Sunburst was something your TV used to be coloured and thing like that. That's why they had it back then. So that, so you're saying, so this red is actually a Tesla car colour. And I'm thinking, but yeah. Fender back in the day used to use Ford motor car colours for some of the things, <laughs> like Seaform Blue and things like that. Some of these colours were yeah, used because yeah, yeah. they were available in the car industry. So you're just doing the same. Mm. Sorry, anyway. But bringing it up to speed, arguably for for the for yeah. the latest. I just can't Tesla. imagine that. Like his request to Paul Reed Smith when he said when he wanted yeah. a signature guitar must have been four words. It must have been strap, please. Okay, bye. You know that must have been it. No, don't ruin the marketing. <laughs> this was there were nights spent huddled over like an old oak table in the vaults of the PRS Wood Factory, where Paul and he. Cracked yeah. open eighteen-year-old Macallan whiskey yeah, and smoked cigars and went backwards and forwards redesigning the guitar from scratch, only yeah. to end up with a design that was truly unique, but but harked back to guitars that had come before it in a beautiful marriage between the past, the present, and the future. And all of those ghosts then visited them that night in yeah. in a kind of Scrooge type fashion, <laughs> and. Um, and they realised that this was this was it. Guitar yeah. Nirvana had been reached. It was, know, it, was a, it was a beautiful it was a beautiful night. I, 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 have, a, I have a different idea of what that night might have been like. <laughs> I think they, I think you're right. Up to a certain point, yes. Wood late night, Wood Library, Bottle of McKellen. Yes. Uh, then what happened is John Mayer <laughs> took out a strat and, <laughs> and put it on on a piece of wood that was big enough to hold it and drew around it. <laughs> Right, I think he got like a piece of chalk and he drew around oh, it, all the way around it. 
And then Paul yeah. Reed Smith said, that's brilliant, but what I'm going to do, I'm just going to scrub out the Fender <laughs> headstock. Um, and and he he drew around a PRS headstock. But because he was that's drunk it. from the McKellen, he'd accidentally put it upside down. He did it upside down. So that's, and, then, and then that was it. <laughs> that, that was that's that. what happened. And that was that. And then we were thinking about what do we put in it. John Major said, strap please, okay, bye. That's and there it. we go. That's it. And then 5am rolled around. They realised how drunk they were. They'd run out of time. What do we call it? Let's oh, call it. They the- just looked outside the window and there's the sun coming up, turning the sky a there silvery colour. The, and the history, silver history sky. Silver sky. <laughs> Try not to say stretch. That's okay. I, I want to call it the silver sky. Just with an S, yeah. Wow, there you go. Anyway, anyway, enough of that. That's a nice, that's a nice bizarre origin story, though, wasn't it? It really was a bit of a bit of a weird origin story, but I can't help myself. Sorry, I just (laughs) I I had a moment this week where again I saw this little video of him talking about it not being a strat, and I'm thinking you you practically it's a strat. You know, it's like you might as well have a cat in your hand and trying to tell me that it's not a cat. But um, but anyway, sorry. So, Kieran. Last week, we spoke about setting up um, the action on guitars, and we We went over in great detail um, about how to set up your truss rod and tape measurements Mm. and things like that. It was super informative, um, and I can't wait for the next session, because I know we're going through this in a few parts, right? We're looking at the truss rod, and we've done that now, and then what's the the next step? What what are we going to talk about today? Cool. Okay, mate. So yeah, so this is um, basically a continuation. This is going to be now part two of our three um, steps, which require a little bit more of what, I, what I'm calling like an intermediate level of confidence at, at maintaining your guitar. Obviously, harping back to the eight steps of, of basic maintenance that we did um, way, way back a couple of years ago. So as you say, mate, last, um, last week we did step one, which was getting the, the right amount of relief in the neck. Um, as your starting point to then start to really refine the action further. And, and step two is effectively the action at the bridge, which is what we're going to cover today. And then thirdly, um, which we'll cover in, in, in uh, the, the week after, is going to be the action at the, at the nut, um, which is, and, and, and these kind of steps one to three, I've kind of suggested that this is almost the order to tackle these in. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly get your, get your relief right. Um, and then start to assess what the action is looking like at the bridge, because often or not, these are adjustments that you can then tweak a little bit afterwards. But we, we're basically lining things up to get it as close to, to, to perfect for, for the individual player as possible mm-hmm. before we then start to adjust the nut, which in many instances, and, and I think it is within the realms of a lot of people to, to have a go at even if it might make them nervous, um, mm. taking a file to their guitar. If you follow these steps and 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 at least have a go and practice it on a on a on a more inexpensive instrument, you'll realise actually this is this is pretty straightforward. But go through through them in this order, and we'll, and we'll get you up to the point where you'll you'll feel right. Okay, this is this is pretty much there now. And if I just make a few adjustments if needed to the nut, then then it's then it's bang on. So today, mate, we're going to cover. Something that I'm sure you and uh, a lot of our listeners have done before, um, which is adjusting the action by by playing with the the bridge. Because um, 
people often get scared of truss rods, which we covered last week. So some people do it, some mm-hmm. people don't. I think probably even less people um, adjust the nut slots um, for reasons we've just said around around taking files to your guitar. But I think probably a lot of people have um, had a go at adjusting the, the playability of their guitar by by changing things at the bridge, which is great. It's 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 why they put screws on these things so you can so you can adjust them and and, and see what happens. So, um, yeah. But hopefully, what we're going to do is share a couple of little tips or. Or, or bits of advice and answer some of your questions around how, how to do it um, if you've never done it before, or maybe a couple of little pointers for people that do it all the time, but, but you know, um, kind of do, do it more by guesswork than, than um, having, you know, read up on how to do it. So that's what we're going to try and do. That's what we're going to try awesome. and do. Awesome. So have you had a go at adjusting the action on your guitar at the bridge? You must have done, right? You've done it a bunch yeah. of times. Well, only really the Strat. Only really the Strat. Okay. And, and, and to be fair, like uh, that's a lie. The Strat and the Les Paul. The, the Strat, the last time I set the Strat up was about a year ago, properly. Um, and I did do my um, my saddles. Obviously, like you said, mm-hmm. the, mm-hmm. you kind of got to credit Leo Fender here with, you mm-hmm. know, being such a great innovator that he knew how to design that early tremolo system that, they, you know, that... that 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 most tremolos are kind of still based around now on strats. That it's yeah. so it is easy yeah. to set up, really, when you think about it logically. You know, because it's not just about the height of the saddles, but you yeah. can individually set them quite easily so that you maintain the radius of the fretboard, which I can't do on my Les Paul. My Les Paul, I can only adjust the saddle height either side of the saddles. So on the you know on the low side or the high side, and it main and it maintains a particularly flat radius. Depend you know because the saddles are all next to each other. You can't adjust the height of the saddles. You can only adjust the forwards or backwards. So you can only adjust like the length of the string effectively for intonation. Um, so the Les Paul, my <laughs> I tend to I have to adjust that every time because and I, and I don't think I do it very Interesting. well. Yeah, every time I have to. Oh, basically because when I take my strings off, the the, the saddle falls off, and then ah, sometimes okay. the screws will move themselves, and I'll tend tend to find yeah. I'll put it back on, and I'll put the strings back on, and then like, oh, this is way too low. It's going to drop yeah. down, and then what I end up doing is going to. I know where on my neck above the twelfth mm. fret where things choke out the most because of you know twenty years of playing in the key of A in um, <laughs> a blues band. <laughs> <laughs> so what I actually tend to do is I, I kind of play up there, and if things are choking out, I'll loosen my strings off, and yeah, I'll exactly. just I'll just raise it a turn, mm-hmm. um, and then do, and then I keep going, and I'll just raise it until it stops choking out. Instead of it being a particular measurement, what I really should do is is give that guitar the the treatment it deserves, which is a proper fret dress and recrowning of the existing frets, and get everything flat, and then. Um, it might, it probably would benefit from an upgraded tunematic bridge system to prefer. But anyway, sorry, I'm doing the same thing no. I did last no, time, which is going great. down uh, a rabbit hole instead of just saying yes or no. <laughs> no, I love <laughs> that. Question. I love that. I love yeah. that. And we're we're, we're exactly going to cover those two two elements that you spoke about. But um, just just touching on something that you said there, which I think is actually a really really um, point well made, is around adjusting the action uh, and and I think a lot of people are, are doing it at the bridge and checking it by by as and where it chokes out now my my kind of argument towards this 
might be that if the threats are really nicely leveled and crowned and um, you know immaculately done, you should probably be able to take that action lower than mm. you would want it to be without it choking out. That's right. And then you'd be you'd be raising it yeah. from a feel perspective rather than uh it's gone too low and it's and it's That's it. choking out. And so now I've got to raise it up because oftentimes and I've seen guitars like that where I've said to people that the frets aren't brilliant but we'll try and give them a buff and polish, etc. But if you're asking me to give this guitar a really low action mm-hmm. Recognise that we might be limited because you've got some uneven fret wear here going on yeah. and some not level frets. And if you don't want to invest in the expenditure of a full fret level and recrown and polish, then it might only be able to go as low as possible before it starts choking out. Exactly as you've said, you can only so, go as low as the highest fret, can't you? Really? So well, exactly, exactly. So that's that is something worth bearing in mind, which is you know, um, if it, after having a go at some of these steps to get your action right. Yeah, and it's still you're going. Well, I'm doing this, and I'm following the measurements and the advice the guys are giving, but my action is just it's it's just choking out and it's buzzing and all of that. Then you might have some fret stuff that needs the attention of a of a of a tech, yeah, um, okay, um, to to sort out. So so yeah, um, and incidentally, um, that thing around the uh, the bridge falling off, it, just a couple of elastic bands, mate, um, just to tether it onto the. Mm. the posts when you do your string change will stop it falling off um, and stop you having to necessarily adjust each time but to be honest I tweak it each time I do a string change as well in any case because oftentimes putting a new set of strings on has a slightly different tension minute like um, but perceptible on the truss rod and and sometimes Mm. the action so knowing these little steps we're talking about and doing them each string change once you get into the routine of it you do it really quickly and it's easy yeah, but there are two. There are two types of uh, in the main. The two mm. types of um, bridge that that you you mentioned exactly, which is the the kind of Gibson Epiphone type bridge, which is mm-hmm. effectively a, a two point adjustment at either end of the of the bridge. Um, the radius of the saddles is not individually adjustable. It's already been done, or should be should have been done at the factory by the kind of shaping and profiling of. They have a radius on them, but that's all fixed and done already, right? So. Um, so, so it's simply a case of making sure you've done step one, which we spoke about, which is getting the, the right amount of relief. Um, mm-hmm. spoke about that last week, then using some of the same tools that we, that we spoke about. I mean, first and foremost, use your, use your fingers and feel and play, you know, 12th fret and upwards predominantly. How, how does it feel? Does it feel comfortable? Does it feel too low? You know, what does it, what does it feel like? And then, um, yeah, make your adjustments accordingly. Um, so on, if we, if we continue with that kind of Gibson style, okay. um, or Epiphone style, well, there's, there's a difference already between those two, the, ep- the Epiphone Chinese Korean mm-hmm. type bridges like that will often have a slotted screw as the adjustment, um, oh, really? kind of mechanism on the, on the, on the bridge. Yeah. So yours will be, yours will be screws yeah. and stuff on your Epiphone, right? <clears throat> um, so. so it's, it's a slot. It's a slotted screw, right? But on the Gibson ones, it'll be a, a little thumb wheel that you that you adjust. You going to go and have a look? <laughs> okay. I'm trying to, I should, I should, you know, I've had this guitar twenty years. I should know. Yes, yeah, it's, it's a slot. It's a single slot screw on on the bridge. I would imagine. Yeah, it is. Yeah, everything. Everything's pretty much a slotted screw. So yeah, 
what the what the stock tailpiece goes on to. Looks like it's got slotted screws. Yeah. 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 Okay. So that's all you need is a flat screwdriver um, and the right size one, so you don't um, mash up that that nickel chrome plating on it. Um, and that's it. That's the only tool you really need. Um, and if you'd like, you can use a feeler gauge or a, or a string action gauge to measure the action at the twelfth fret, and yeah. um, and and go from there. Incidentally, on on like real Gibsons and, and things like that, it's not a slotted screw on the on the top. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen that. It's a it's a little what they call a thumb wheel, which is a little wheel that's to sit underneath the um, bridge. Really, um, at, at the base of the post. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a it's um. Yeah, it's, there's no adjustment. Oh, sorry, so no, I think I do think I've kind of got the same thing. I don't know if it's easy for me to show you, but uh, I'm going to try and have a look on your zoom and see. See underneath the underneath where the saddles are, there is like a thumb wheel, a very thin thumb wheel. Uh, yeah, I I can't I can I can kind of see it on the on the zoom that you're showing me. I don't think that turns and adjusts. I think it's all the sl- I think that might be a. Maybe it does. Yeah, it does. It does. It turns. Yeah. Oh, you got a thumb wheel as well on yours. I think so. So you got a I slot and a thumb wheel. It definitely is a slot on the top, but I, I think you're right. The Gibson doesn't. Maybe the Gibson doesn't have the slot. The Gibson just have turned the slot, something no. that shouldn't be turned. <laughs> no, no, everything can be turned anyway. back. Um, anyway, the, that's anyway. it. I've laboured the point on that, but the the, okay. the point is, um, if you're adjusting the action on the Gibson ones, that thumb wheel can often be quite tight because it's the pressure of the. Um, uh, strings pushing, pushing down, down at ten- so you're tension. fighting that tension if you're trying to raise yeah. the action you're yeah. fighting against the pressure so loosen off the strings loosen off the strings exactly. a bit exactly just loosen off the strings a little bit make your adjustment tighten them back up to pitch or you can get these little thumb wheel adjustment wrenches but I, I think it's better and, and less likely to slip and damage the top of the guitar just by loosening it off a little bit and just yeah. doing it um, so anyway that's that's all there is to, to say about that it's pretty it's pretty it's pretty straightforward um, I mean, in terms of measurements, what is the ideal action? Um, I mean, it is quite subjective, right? But yeah, um, I mean, for a for a low E string, I would say um, I, I think anywhere. If, if you're having a low action, it's something considered around one point two five mil. Mine's way above that, right? But but yeah, um, but I don't like too low an action. But one point two five mil. Probably well achievable. So that's the action from the top of the 12th fret to the bottom of the low E string. Right, okay. As measured either by a feeler gauge or a string action gauge. But, I mean, some of the reference figures go for a high action can go all the way up to like 1.9. I'm way above that. I'm definitely somewhere two and a half, I'm at least, I reckon. Whoa, above my you're slide fret. guitar. On that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so that was, uh, that was pretty. That's pretty high. That's pretty high. So yeah, I took some reference is. measurements on, and and so sorry for, and then it will differ for the toppy string uh, generally. So low action would be considered like about one mil. Yeah, on on the twelfth fret of the low E. Oh, sorry, the high E, and all the way ranging up to like one point six mil. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can see there's a, there's a huge range there, but I would say dial it in. Dial it into maybe the, the the kind of middle. Maybe go. Maybe start at around on the low E, one point five mil um, on the low E at the twelfth fret, and maybe one point two five for the high E, mm-hmm. and use that as your starting point. Where, where you, and then you can yeah. kind of cheat, cheat it up or down from there, depending on how it feels to you. Yeah. And then, as you said, where it where it might choke out when you're doing string bends and things. 
is there any, is there likely to be any point where because we because we we were talking about this after last week's episode where we've done some of the trust rod right and we've gone and we're, what we're saying is you do your trust rod you kind of get that done and then we're moving over to the bridge is there a likelihood that really in reality there's going to be an overlap between the two where maybe you do your trust rod as best as you can and then you try and sort your action out with the bridge and decide. Maybe just another slight tweak of the trust rod. Is that likely to happen? For, sh- for sure it is. For sure it okay. is. Um, and I'll often find myself... But what we're talking about is getting these things into the right ballpark by going through steps one mm-hmm. and two. And I would say that's a really good idea to just kind of go between steps one and two until you're, you've, you've balanced it as best as you can before you then start going and tackling the nut mm-hmm. which is to some extent a bit, a bit less less reversible as a step but um yeah to be to be honest once you've got the relief set right and provided your action was in the right kind of ballpark not a million miles off yeah you shouldn't need to necessarily go back and tweak the truss rod okay. but i i often find myself doing that as well mate even even once i've set up mm-hmm. um once i've got step one done and then I set the action at the bridge and then I go and do the nut and then get that cut nicely then I'll leave it and have a good play on it then I'll come back to it the next day and leave it I might then go do you know what I think I can cheat it a little bit more and get it even lower just by taking a little little nudge again on the truss rod and seeing then is it going to choke out um so yeah all of these steps of course you can go backwards and forwards with um so yeah it's a good point um, incidentally on my, so I gave some reference figures on my Les Paul last week mm. for uh, neck relief, because this is like as low as I think a Les Paul can go and it's, and it's super comfy and, and, and low to play on. But my action measurements at the 12th fret are for the low E and the high E are both one mil. So it's, mm. they're like su- super low and, and there's no, there's no buzz for my playing style. There's no choking out again for my playing mm. style. Somebody mm. with a heavier hand and a heavier technique may may get buzz and all of that. But for me, it's that's perfect. Um, okay. So yeah, they they go. It's pretty simple, really. Um, use the right tools for the job, and um, yeah, as I said, a couple of top tips: get some elastic bands to to wrap around the tailpiece on a on a kind of Les Paul style thing to stop it coming off. Um, use the right size slotted head screw mm-hmm. um, uh, so you don't chip away any of the chrome um if it's chrome finished on your on your bridge bit um make sure that you take the tension off the strings if you're doing it on a gibson type instrument with the thumb wheel oh yeah the other thing to bear in mind is as you're lowering this um or adjusting this action is also to check um particularly on like a les paul type guitar but any any kind of guitar that's got that kind of bridge and then stop tailpiece kind of configuration right is okay. to make sure that the stop tailpiece as well is set at a, a position such that it's not fouling the strings against the back edge of the the bridge saddle if that makes sense so if you pick up your les paul again that you've got next to you so can you see that that break angle that happens at the bridge saddle and then yes. goes down. Have you top wrapped your um, tailpiece? Yeah, I can see that. <laughs> yeah, it looks like I can see it. Um, so, so we'll get on onto that in a minute. But let's let's for for argument's sake say you hadn't top wrapped it and you and you'd slotted through the stop yeah. tailpiece. 
it would create a much um, much greater break angle there. And sometimes what happens, and I've seen, I see it a lot actually. Sometimes what happens is the um, the strings actually catch on the back edge of that saddle as they ah, make yeah, their way down into the yeah, tailpiece. So yeah, if you've got one of those saddles pulled forward, then the the yeah. flat top of the tunematic tail, not the tailpiece, but the thing that it's that those saddles are sat in, yeah. you can actually catch a string on the corner of that, couldn't you? Exactly, and it can foul it, and it can cause tuning issues and all kinds of yeah. kinds of stuff. So, but that's more about just checking out where the, how the saddle is, and then adjusting the stop tailpiece. Because everybody's temptation <coughs> with those stop tailpieces, and there'll be people shouting at me, going, "Yeah, you have to do this." Um, I, I disagree. Is to is to wind that stop tailpiece down so it's literally directly flat and connected with the body of the guitar, because there's yeah. all kinds of. Um, theory around it giving better sustain and better tone and all of that which which look it it, it may well do mm. the other way i've seen some guitars where it's simply not possible because of the way the neck has been glued into that guitar so this mm. is a manufacturing thing and i've seen it on gibsons i've got one gibson where this is gen- this is the case where the neck angle that's been glued in doesn't allow me to have that stop bar tailpiece wound down anywhere near to the body because the strings will foul against the back of the saddle. That's that's just the kind of way the neck it's a good point, has gone actually, into yeah, the because guitar. There's, a, there's an angle, isn't there? Like A strat is kind of like a slab, isn't it? Of, you know, whereas a Les Paul, the, there's a, an angle where the neck is, is... If you were to lie it flat, the neck's actually running down lower yeah, than the exactly. body, isn't it? So the strings are kind of coming up at an angle where they're moving away from the body. Yeah. So, yeah, so as you get the bridge at the high that high point... Then yeah yeah see what you mean see what you mean so like the, the other <laughs> well it exactly <laughs> is it is exactly uh, kind of kind of that and um, what I've had to do on that Les Paul and I'm actually glad I did I was a bit reluctant to do it but I I've, I've, I've top wrapped the um, the, the mm. tailpiece like you've done on on your Epiphone so um, that's basically where you put the strings in backwards into the tailpiece and then they go back over the tailpiece before then going mm. into the saddle and being strung up at the pegheads normally. And, you know, people like Bonamassa, but many other guitarists swear by this on a Les Paul. Um, it does a few things. It allows you to wind that tailpiece mm-hmm. right down onto the body because you've now changed the brake angle that the strings hit the, the saddle at, um, such that you've, you've, you've raised the brake angle, which means you can, you can, you can Got drop the, the, the tailpiece low. And, 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 and I, yeah. and I do think that does, does something maybe to the, to the tone. What, what I think it also does is it, because you've, you've changed that brake angle, it also makes the strings feel a hell of a lot slinkier and, um, I guess lighter mm. in, engaged than they, than they are by doing it the other way. Now, some people disagree with this and say this is a myth. I guarantee you it's not a myth. So Bonamassa actually uses a higher gauge of, he, I think he uses 11s on his Les Paul, um, which is a heavy set of, of strings, yeah. but he said, because I top wrap them, in this way, they don't feel like 11s. They feel like 10s. And, and, and he's right. It, it feels so, so slinky doing this. So something, something for listeners to experiment with. Genuinely, it's a thing. And even if you're not top wrapping your guitar, um, at the tailpiece, something else to play with mm. is let's, for, let's for argument's sake, say you have got the tailpiece wound all the way down onto the body of the guitar, the top of the guitar, and it's not fouling against the back edge of the saddle. Mm. Great. Have a play at just raising it up a little bit, you know, a, a, f- a few, a few mil, maybe, maybe, maybe a bit more, maybe half a centimetre. Really? And it, and you'll notice the effect it has on the string tension for sure. Mm. So a lot of my Les Pauls where I haven't top, top wrapped them, 
I actually have the, the tailpiece wound up a little bit um, off the body because it actually makes the strings just, just feel a little bit slinkier and nicer. It does make um, sense, doesn't it? it? Does it does make sense to think that as as you wrap a string around a corner, it would have something to do with its exactly. ability to vibrate and yeah. how tension manifests itself in the string in terms of those vibrations. So it does kind of make sense. But I've got to say, I top wrap purely because my experience is that I hardly ever break a string when I top wrap, whereas I would fairly regularly break a string. Before I top wrapped, that's it for me. I, I actually, I've never noticed for myself, um, I've never really noticed a tonal or a feel difference. Mm. Um, maybe I'm wrong about the feel thing and I just don't remember because it's been a long time that I've been top wrapping. But for me, it's, yeah, it was, it's never been a tonal thing. It's always been a practicality thing. That break angle being reduced over the bridge just mm. seems to mm. stop, mm. you know, stop me breaking strings. I used to always break yeah. first or second string. On the Les Paul, um, yeah, for sure it will. Since then, it will improve that. It will improve that, and maybe adjust the the tuning stability as well. Anyway, it's something to play around with while you're for while sure. you're making these action adjustments. Is have a think about: do you want to do you want to top wrap or not? Yeah. And 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 see what it does for you. But I, I I think it definitely does make a difference. Whether that's to your preference or not is a is a subjective thing. <clears throat> so we've covered action at the bridge. I think for that type of guitar and then you've got the fender style bridge which you yeah. mentioned which obviously has the six adjustable um saddle pieces yeah. and this is the bit that i was talking about last week which i see just so so much is where people have had their guitar set up or they've set it up themselves and they're happy with it but they don't realize how much better it could play if the radius had been set correctly on those saddles yeah. and, and it's something that people often either just don't do at all <clears throat> or they don't do it well enough so that it's properly dialed in. And this does take a bit of practice and a bit of experimenting, but effectively um, what you're trying to do is match the profile that those saddles are set at, not just the height for the, for the, for the ease of playing and the action that you want, but also the profile and curvature yeah. of those saddles yeah. such that it, that curvature matches the actual radius of the fingerboard. Yeah. Because once you've dialed that in, the strings just f- sit and feel better under your hand because of the relationship between your your hand on the neck and the way in yeah. which those strings then then are, are kind of following that same profile. But it also helps with like you know bent string bends and and where the strings choke out and getting a, a better lower action. So it's definitely worth spending some time with some radius gauges. So get yourself a set of radius gauges if you don't want to buy the whole set. Yep. Figure out what the radius is of your particular guitar, yep. which will be in the manufacturer's specs, and and just if nothing else, just buy that radius gauge. And um, when you when you're doing your setup, slide that radius gauge underneath the strings. Um, and um, what I would do is make sure you get your low E and your top E correct to the height that you want them to be. Right, do that first, so you've got your outer edges sorted, and and. Again, we've, we've spoken about maybe the starting point for that. If you want to measure it, could be around, you know, maybe the, the 1.25 mil up to 1.5 mil on the low E and, you know, 1 mil up to maybe 1.25 on, on the high E. Mm-hmm. Get those dialed in and, and, and measured and then slide your radius gauge underneath your, all your strings and bring it up there, right up against the, the saddle. And, um, Basically, what you're what you're looking to do is is make sure that you're um, matching the remaining saddle 
um, pieces to the radius of same radius, um, right. to the same radius. So the way the, the way to often do it is without pulling up the radius gauge too hard. You know, you know, you've got it kind of um, resting or should be resting on on the low E and the, the high E. Yeah, is to just raise up all of the other saddle pieces and then slowly one by one drop them down and keep playing them until they just start to buzz against the top of the the radius gauge. Yeah. And then make sure that buzzing, that level of buzz is consistent across each of the saddles. And you can can often see it by eye as well, how the saddles are then kind of matching the radius gauge. And and that's That's it. That's right. You've mentioned that before, looking down from the bridge. Like looking down, I think it's almost like this if you're looking kind of down the barrel of a shotgun kind of thing. You know, like looking down from the bridge and kind of just moving it to see if you can kind of, you should be able to kind of tell that the saddles have got the same radius as, say, a fret or one of the frets on the fretboard. And as, you know, as, as everything yeah. kind of, it helps to, you know, make sure you, you, you know, you've done it. Cause when I checked mine strap the first time, the strings were more or less already at the right radius, but not, at, but, but, but not in the right. It was kind of like the low E string was too high and the high E string was right. too high, but not as high. And between the two of them, the radius was right, but it wasn't. Got it matched with the fretboard. It was kind of like it was ah, off to one side okay. kind of thing. It was poorly. Yeah, yeah. So so it's yeah. not just guess, getting the right radius. It's then making sure that they're all over. It's, it's over the fretboard correctly kind of thing. Yeah. So the way I do that is, is, is as you've described, I do it from the headstock end. Yeah. So once ah, I've okay. done it, I, I kind of lay the guitar or kind of put the guitar, you know, uh, on the on the on the floor, then lift the neck up so I can sight a line from the headstock end uh, over the nut, and then in my field of view, I can keep the 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 view of the the, the radius of the fretboard, and I can see how that then is um, superimposing itself on the radius of the saddles that I've set. It's it's a weird thing to try and describe and do, but have a go and you'll kind of get what I mean. And and I've never read anyone doing it in this way. So so maybe this is just my own particular um, weird way of doing it. But this is after I've used radius gauges and feeler gauges and done all the measurements and then played it and felt, does it feel right to me? Then I, I, I kind of sight down the neck in this way. And, and to me, it's obvious when it's when it's synced in. But yeah. There you go. Yeah. That's, that's pretty much it. It's not rocket science to using a radius gauge. Um, if you follow those those kind of tips about get the low E and the high E in the right place, yeah. um, then just match all of the others to the ra- top of that, that radius gauge and that little tip around just playing each of those strings until they just buzz just the right just level. to the radius uh, gauge and then you know yeah, you'll, hear it. you'll hear it. Yeah. following the same curvature as your fretboard. Yeah. Yeah, and you can give them a little bounce individually, each of those strings, while the radius gauge is there underneath them and you're pulling up on it with a kind of even mm. tension. And you'll see, you'll see if the string is in the right place as it contacts and bounces on the radius gauge. If, it, if you have to press before it hits the mm. top of the radius gauge, you know you're still not there. So, or Yeah, exactly. So you've got to, because it is quite hard to see. I actually, sli- I, I did it kind of like a... A slightly different way, where I had the radius gauge like pulled under the string, <coughs> over you said, okay. under. But I found that much harder to tell mm. when I think maybe doing it your way is the way I'll do it next time with this radius gauge over the top and bringing the string up to it rather than bringing 
the radius gauge from underneath up to the first and both. sixth string and then try and lower the other strings onto it. Um, yeah. You can do both. Yeah. You can do both. So the way I just described first and initially is to have it underneath yeah. the strings and you're, and you're pulling up against it. And it is more difficult, I agree with you, to see. Yeah. Um, but um, you can hear it. You can hear it when the string buzzes against the radius gauge. Perfect. So then, then you're on to the point where... Um, you were, were starting to look at the nut right and complement it with the other end. But yeah. I've got a couple of questions. Exactly. exactly. We'll do that next week. We'll, we'll, we'll do, do that, that next, next week, week I think. We'll wrap, that's, we'll wrap that's this different... one up now. But, but, I'll, but my questions to you, just to close this off, because what we've done yeah, now sure. is gone over the simple bridge um, adjustment requirements for Les Paul and Fender guitars. But I just wanted to ask you, doing an acoustic guitar is going to be similar to the problem of doing, you mentioned earlier, of doing the nut on an electric guitar, which is where, because you're having to remove material, you know, it's what yeah. I would call a destructive works. And it's not something you can correct or put, you pull back with a, a screwdriver. What is, is there any other approach somebody should take if it's an acoustic guitar? Is it just a case of, you know, does it take it to a reputable <laughs> guitar technician instead? Or is it easy enough to uh, do acoustic? I think it's, I think it's pretty easy enough to do on an acoustic guitar. So, and what you will be doing is if you're wanting to lower the action, let's say, is you'll be needing to remove material from the saddle. Yeah. So with the, um, obviously with the guitar tuned to pitch and, and strung correctly and you've adjusted yeah. the relief on, on it with the truss rod, have a look and take some of those measurements, um, that we've, that we've said at the 12th fret on your acoustic. Now for, for an acoustic guitar, for a kind of low to medium action, you're looking at on the low E about two millimeter, um, between the top of the 12th fret and the and the bottom of the low E string and and around 1.75 for the high E string. Right. So that's for a low low to medium action. Obviously you okay. can you can you can go higher or lower than that, but I would say use that as a as a decent starting point. And my acoustics again are set up pretty low. So I think I think they're probably on the low E string they're probably about 1.5 mm-hmm. on the low E and maybe even about 1.5 three or something on the high e but mm-hmm. but anyway you get 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 that measurement right loosen off the strings don't need to fully take them off the guitar loosen off all the strings so that they're slack enough for you to be able to pull out that saddle piece right got it uh, okay no um because it should just come out relatively easily from from the slot that it's sitting in be careful if you've got like an electroacoustic with a pizzo pickup underneath that saddle um because some, sometimes it might the, the pizzo strip might be might be um not glued, but kind of just stuck, yeah, uh, light, l- lightly to the underside of the saddle. So you don't want to end up ripping ripping out the no. the, um, the electronic piece. But but carefully just just pull that piece of saddle out. Only to be made of bone or plastic or something like that. But and then what I would do is just get a um, just get a really fine marker uh, pen uh, with a really fine tip on it. Yeah, and use and use a ruler and a straight edge to just take uh, to just just mark off about a millimeter. Um, wow. Or not, 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 not. It's not even a millimeter we're talking that's about. Point, yeah, Sorry, be, that's the, you're bringing it down in stages, aren't you? I guess in small chunks so that you don't overdo. Okay, okay. So and, that's, and that's, then all you do. So that's it. Then you just got to put it on a, a flat surface. Right. Um, put some sandpaper on the flat surface and just and sand just, away, just keeping constant sand pressure. Sand away, constant and, pressure, so that you keep it. You keep it flat whilst you're taking the material off it. that you need, and then. And then maybe come back to it a week or so later to double check it. Or some, you yeah, know, just pop the everything. saddle back in, see if it's see if it's made the difference. If it still feels too yeah. high, take it out. Yeah. 
mark a little bit more on the marker page. The, the point of using a marker pen is just to make sure you're not going too far and you yes. can keep track while you're sanding on how much material you're taking off. And you want to be just taking off fractions of a millimetre each, That's it. each time. Yeah. So... Um, and the other, the other kind of bridge I was going to ask you about is what about if you have like a Floyd Rose? Does the same principle still apply with Floyd Rose as like your standard Fender Trem? Really, is it just more that the mechanisms are different that you that you have to use to do like radius adjustments and things like that? Is that really the only difference? Yeah, it's, it's, it, it kind it kind of is. The adjustment is different on it, um, and there's a lot more interplay with like the operation of the Trem and getting that floated correctly first. And um, got it. But the but the same but the principles around adjusting the truss rod are exactly the same. The principles around adjusting the saddle height. I mean, that's again, it's two point. Um, you're not in, you're not doing individual saddle pieces like on a fender. Um, so it's it's again, it's more like a Les Paul in terms of you're just adjusting um, the the at the at the kind of either extremes yeah. with a with, with a screwdriver like you would be on your your two point Epiphone adjustment. Um, the, the added difference is that you've got the interplay of how the trem has been floated and making sure that that's set up correctly before you and to and to be honest that's the same for any guitar with a with a with a floated kind of trem um is make sure that that's floating at the right place for you first before you start adjusting it but yeah it's pretty simple on a on a floyd rose um setting up a floyd rose and getting all of these things to balance and be in 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 kind of harmony is more complicated a job but yeah. Good. Okay. So that's Floyd Roses. We've done acoustic guitars. Uh, have I got any more questions relating to? And uh, my top tip for a Floyd Rose, by the way, is get a get a little hard piece of rubber or a little small block of wood or something, and use that when you do your string changes right, to, to okay. push push it underneath the Floyd Rose while it's floating, so that when you take your strings off, the back of the trem basically hits onto that piece of rubber or wood, so it stops the whole. Um, tremolo bridge just kind of tanking onto the onto the into the cavity if that makes sense got it easy peasy so we're nearly there we're nearly there mate we've just got to get our nuts right oh sorry um <laughs> i definitely got i'm looking forward to the one where we're talking about getting the the nut correct on yeah on on the guitars because my that, that's the thing that's that's probably you know the the telly the esquire mm-hmm. that i've got it's got mm-hmm. you know it's a squire and it's built really well, and I love it, but it does definitely have a high nut. I'm certain of it. I'll send a picture. And I'll send a picture to you so you you can kind of see it. Um, but yeah, that's. I think that does need an adjustment. Um, cool. And so, so I'm looking next, forward so to finding let's out. do that next week. Let's do that next week. Yeah. Um, next week, by by this point, you will have. All adjusted your truss rods for the right amount of relief. You'll have set the action so it's nice and comfortable for That's playing it. 12th fret and beyond and it's not choking out and you'll have <laughs> tweaked that. And then the last bit is, is, is cutting those nut slots to get them yeah. just to, just to get to the, that right sweet spot so that then everything from the first fret all the way up to the 24th, if you've got them, is just in perfect, perfect. Yeah. That's a good point. That. Maybe I will set it up for slide. <laughs> no, don't do that. Well, it's it's all the same steps. You yeah. just need a really high action yeah, to I do know. it. So, I know. Yeah, really high action. Yeah, I, I, I regret saying that now. You're going to go off and go. Oh, that's a good point. Maybe I just leave it as a slide no, I, guitar. I can't be bothered learning to play slide. God, it's like a different world. No, it is. It is. But anyway, awesome, dude. Well, thank you again for part two of that. Um, no worries. We're on our way now. 
to you know a really well set up instrument you know again if we're following those eight steps which was about um you know that was a that was a more generic look wasn't it at, at yeah, this because yeah. it was part of a big conversation but um at the end of this this is going to be great i think people are going to feel much more confident uh, thanks to you and your help that they can have better mastery over how they support their instruments and look after them well, it's very kind to say, but I, um, I hope I've been clear with what I'm trying to convey. I've, I've done it yeah. pretty quickly, but we have really knowledgeable and like competent people that listen to the to the show as well. We've got luthiers that listen to this show, right? So mm-hmm. please, by all by, by all means, um, if there's things that I that, that you do in a different way or that you kind of think there's a better way of doing it, by all means, um, take it to the Guitar Geek Hangout. Or if people are unclear about any of the steps that I've mentioned and, and think, oh, but you didn't mention what to do with this bit, then then just shout yeah, on, the, sure. on the Guitar Geek Hangout and we'll... And, and and we've got a whole community of people that all exactly. that help you, and my, myself included. Mm. Um, so yeah, but have a, have a go. Don't be afraid. Set set your guitar action in the right place. Yeah, it'll make you it'll make your day and your and and your next. Gig. It, yeah, take my money. Do the work for me. That's what I'm going to say. <laughs> no, I'm joking. There is always that option. There is always. I'm trying, well, but you can save a bunch of money. Doing I was, this. I don't know, to be fair. Um, I had I did have this thought when I was driving up I was driving up north. I've been doing a lot of driving this week. I've been up north and back with work. But um Um I was thinking this, you know, um if if you're listening to this and you're thinking, Oh, I'm not I'm not so certain I can do this or I, I'm worried I'm gonna do this destructively or, you know, my bridge and this, that and the other is not you know, not quite right and um then you know what, go and put some money in the pocket of a local reputable guitar tech, somebody who's done it thousands of times. And um and get them to show you or you know, just get it done by somebody who you know, if you're worried about it, it's great this is a this mm. is an amazing mm. thing to learn to look after your mm. instruments mm. properly and to be able to get it done correctly and to be able to understand how so many different things come together to make your instrument work. But if after listening to these podcasts you still you're hesitant, then just go to it go to a tech. You know, spend your money for sure. For, put for sure. put some food on the table of a <laughs> your local, your local guitar technician, you know, and just that's um, right. You know, get 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 that person to do it. That's what I think, anyway. I, I think that's good advice. I think that's good advice. If in doubt, do that. If in doubt, do that. Yeah, exactly. If in doubt, do that. But have a but have a go first. Have a go. Have a go yeah. first. Absolutely, have build some first. confidence. What could go wrong? Certainly, certainly with what we've covered today. Yeah, and I provided you're, right. you're careful with the truss rod um, from last week's episode. There's nothing that you will do that isn't easily reversible mm-hmm. by by yourself or by a guitar tech. So there's there's provided you're, you're sensible. There's there's no damage that you're going to do with a guitar. Fantastic. Even next week's one where we're talking about cutting the nut. You know, yeah. If you if you go slowly and you go carefully, you'll be so rewarded with the results you get. If you are fearful of doing it and you don't feel you've got that level of confidence, as you say, take it to a guitar tech. But even if you have a go and mess it up. For sure, hopefully not on a, not on a really expensive instrument. Um, it's it's easy to fix. It's easy to fix. Yeah, a, a, a new a new nut isn't isn't going to break the bank. No, no. There we go. Anyway, 
Anyway, dude, another cracking episode. Thank you for the advice. Thank you for sharing Pleasure. your knowledge with us, as always. Looking forward to um, next week when we get to look at the final end of the strings yeah. journey across the guitar and, uh, and refining our action looking at the nut how we could make sure the nuts yes. cut correctly nut, we're, we're talking yes. nut height material and nut, nut slots aren't we and I've got I've got a debate planned with you regarding Brian May and what he does for that so oh, I'm looking, I look forward to that yeah <laughs> I look forward to it too because I'm interested to get your thoughts on what he does because when he built his uh-huh. red special he took a very different and unique approach to the nut on the guitar He's a genius, uh, so I'm sure. I'm, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure what he's done is is, is and, a, and a physicist. So, yeah. <laughs> Who yeah. am I to question the great Dr. Brian May? <laughs> yeah, us, us <laughs> down the pub. That Sir Brian May now, didn't he? Didn't he get knighted? Yes, yeah, Sir Brian. Oh, yeah. you're absolutely right, Sir Brian. Sir, Sir Dr. Brian May. Sir Dr. Brian May. Mm. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go and see a Queen tribute band uh, this yeah. weekend. Apparently, the Queen tribute band that has been endorsed by by Roger and Brian and and kind of set up by them. This is supposed oh. to be the Queen tribute band of all Queen tribute bands. I don't. Know. Yeah. I'll tell you. I'll let you know how it goes next week. I've not seen them before. But yeah. There we go. I can't that's, wait that's to find out. We can yeah. There you go. I'll, t- I'll tell you. Queen. I'll tell Queen are fantastic. Yeah, me too. What a great band. Anyway, on that note, mate. <laughs> Catch you next Catch week, you buddy. Next week, buddy. Have a cracking week, and I'll speak to you soon. All the best, mate. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for listening. Once again, have a great new year. If you like what you hear, then remember there are 71 other episodes going back over two years now that you can check out where we talk about all kinds of things like Best Budget Guitar Amps, Murphy Lab Guitars, a visit to the London Guitar Show, and our Desert Island Guitar Rigs. Go and enjoy them. Anyway, best wishes. See you next time on the Guitar Smarts Podcast.